Hey everyone, this is Mike Dunn, and you are listening to Rethinking EDU. Thank you so much for joining us this uh, fine day, evening, whenever you decide to listen to this podcast, might be the morning. We really appreciate you being here. Got an amazing guest on with us this evening, who we'll introduce in a quick second. But I want to check in with my co-hosts, Matt, Julie, Janine. How are things? Matt, what's going on with you, man? So honestly, um, you know, we're in the midst of this uh, situation right now, so my soul's just it's kind of heavy. Um, so it's it's hard to ignore that uh, fact that's going on, just dealing with the systemic, um, you know, racism and and those sorts of things, and and trying to narrate through that. Um, yeah, just just sort of heavy right now. I hear you, man. Yeah, and if you're listening to this kind of out of order or not looking at the date of when we published this podcast. Um, right now, we are in the middle of um, really a national reaction to the racist activity that was displayed by police officers in the murder of George Floyd. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. We can't really ignore that, uh, obviously. And, you know, I know our, our guest, Kavan, here is. Uh, more than game to talk about that, but let's check in, Julie, Janine. How y'all? How are y'all doing? Um, about the same. Um, heart sick, uh, anxious. At the same time, hopeful that this will be the time uh, that something mm. changes or advances in some way. That's how I am. I'm uh, I'm looking for the hope. And actually, uh, today, today I saw some rays of sunshine and hope. There, our, our seventh and eighth grade students have been sharing their iSearch presentations that they 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 picked a topic to study for the entire year and then we're giving presentations you know to live audiences via zoom normally it would be in front of people but um and they were just phenomenal presentations and the way that they approached uh their learning and being able to communicate with other people and care uh just that really gave me gave me some hope today so i'm glad that i was able to to watch some of those that's awesome yeah and y'all work with middle school students it's got to be um, as we talked about with our uh, guests, uh, Joy and Bruce, it's daunting work working with middle school students, but it's so important, right? You're you're really crafting the minds of young people that are just uncovering ideas like racism in the United States or around the world, uncovering ideas like environmentalism or activism, and these things that are just so critical to our movement forward in this country. So, but anyway, we could, we could talk about that for a while. Um, I want to bring in Kavan Terman here. Kavan, how are you feeling this fine evening? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm doing very well. Um, Despite everything that's happening in the world. Um, The interesting part for me is that I was diagnosed with COVID. And so Not only did I have to deal with a global health pandemic, uh, you know, then you have everything that's going on with um, the looting and the um, George Floyd's death. And um, so heavy is an understatement, I believe. You know, I think that a lot was put into perspective when the whole world stopped and we were um, some of us were forced to uh, be, be in the house with our families. Um, I consider myself to be blessed to to see how my kids work, <laughs> to see 
how my wife operates throughout the day. Um, those were all things that I was uh, incredibly just happy about. And then, you know, out of nowhere, <clears throat> my body starts feeling different. And at 41, you know, you know when your body's when something's not right. Mm. And yeah. uh, I said, you know, I looked at my wife and I said, let's go get tested. And she's like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean we need to get tested? <laughs> and so she starts freaking out. And um, yeah, lo and behold, I tested positive. My wife tested negative. Um, it's very odd, very weird. But, you know, I also had a lot of contractors at my house getting work done. And, you know, I was the person making the runs to the, the supermarket. Um, so no, it, it just goes to show you nobody was really, nobody's exempt when it comes to the virus. Um, and then, of course, um, I'm at the tail end of quarantine and uh, all of this happens. Um, so, right. again, heavy is an understatement, but it's uh, it's pretty jarring. But I'm, I'm doing OK. I'm conditioned to, to not not be OK. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this is one of the things that I oh, my gosh, sorry, we just. uh got our curfew statement for the city of Philadelphia right now as we're recording this just I got a text message on my phone that's 830 right yeah 8 820 so they gave us a 10 minute window this time last last time um you know I was like outside walking the dog and we were like an hour into the curfew and they were like oh yeah by the way you should have been in your house an hour ago I was like oh okay <laughs> I guess I'm going home um in any case Kavan, I'm I'm so sorry to hear uh, about your diagnosis of COVID. What has that been like for you and your family? Um, it, it's a wake up call on multiple levels. So you know, my wife is to me extra, hmm. right? You know, extra, extra. Read all about it. <laughs> it's like every time I step outside to get fresh air, even if it's on the deck, she wants me to spray down when I come back in the house. And, um, you know, of course I sing, I sing a different tune. Uh, once I got diagnosed out of nowhere and I just started thinking like, wow, she's not playing. Like, so she stopped, she, we decreased going to the supermarket. So she would just do it online. And even with that, you know, they leave it at your, your doorstep and she wants me to spray down every single bag. And mm -hmm. It, for me, it was just way too much. Um, <clears throat> and I realize mm, there's yeah. sensationalism in the news. And I think sometimes, um, here's my point. We're all in a bubble. And when you're forced to be quarantined, you have tons of opinions. But then when it hits close to home, you, you start to be a little more agile in, your, in, in how you feel about <laughs> what people do and what they don't do. So right, right. we're doing okay. Um, it's just, it's been a lot because the adjustment of, of thinking that, okay, one day I slept on a couch and then I just haven't moved in 14 days. Um, that's a lot <laughs> to be quarantined to one part of the room yeah. um, where, you know, uh, little things like your daughter wanting to watch a movie with you and her natural reaction is to jump on top of you and cuddle and have movie time. And you're just forced not to do all the, all the little touches, which are important to me. Right, so. right. We're live, which is great. We could talk for another hour about that altogether, I'm sure. But we really brought you on um, to our podcast this this fine evening to chat a little bit about the Brothers Brunch. 
And, you know, we're in the middle of our uh, series on networking here in networks. And I, um, you know, you and I have gotten to know each other over the last four years or so. And uh, I've learned slowly about what the Brothers Brunch, which is your social entrepreneurship endeavor, uh, is all about. And I've loved it. And I think it's a really important way to think about networks and networking. And I'm hoping that we can spend a little bit of time talking about that, um, talk about kind of what you're doing with Brothers Brunch, what that means, especially in kind of the world we're living today. So if I went on brothersbrunch.com right now, I could I could pull off some keywords, right, that would describe what the Brothers Brunch is all about. I pulled off brotherhood, culture, conversation, cuisine, connection, all those things seem super important in what what captures the essence of the Brothers Brunch. But before we go more into depth with that, I would love to just hear how the Brothers Brunch kind of emerged because I think it's got a really unique story. And um, yeah, why don't you why don't you share that story with us? Sure. Well, we'll be twenty what well, twenty five. I wish we'll be five years uh, strong uh, as of November sixteenth. Uh, 2020. And, uh, you know, five years ago, there was a uh, birthday that was coming up. And I said, wow, you know, I, I really don't want to do anything uh, huge. Uh, what would mean the most to me as I get older is if I can get, you know, at least 15 to 20 uh, brothers that are in my personal and professional network and maybe a few family members to just join me for a brunch, you know, maybe I could just rent yeah. out a space or rent out an entire uh, restaurant. And in this case, it was on um, South street, Rex 1516, um, really nice uh, location. And I, I said, you know, I I'll take a stab at it. You know, I know a lot of people are busy, uh, but the goal was, you know, wow, I have, I have a friend who works with Def Jam. He's like pretty high up and, I have a friend that is, does he he does legal for um for Temple, and I have you know a, a friend that has his own janitor company and a friend that owns his own moving company and I I just looked around and I was like wow but none of these friends really know each other like it would be so so dope if I can get all of these guys together just to kind of celebrate life man and, and really yeah. to they can meet each other and um see what happens see you know see how organic it it, it can come out. So I, I really, I really went all out. Um, everybody had, you know, table um, settings and <clears throat> strategically were sit, sat next to people that they didn't know. And, um, you know, it was called bow ties and blazers. So everybody had to wear a bow tie and a blazer. Um, so it was, it was, it was awesome. And, and so I say all that to say when, when we left, uh, people just kept calling me like, wow, like that was really amazing. You know what? We got to do it again. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm not a, an event planner. <laughs> I just, listen, I just, I just wanted to have a good time for my birthday. You know, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Then another call came and one of my friends who was in the, in the um, position of looking for a job, he said, dude, like the guy you set me next to, he hired me. And I said, mm. he hired yes. you. <laughs> he said, yeah, we got to talking. He told me to send, send him my resume and the rest was history. And so after the third conversation, I said, wow, maybe this is this is what our community needs. Like it's it's a simple concept, but perhaps we we need to to have like organized efforts to just 
talk, like a conversation amongst men. Mm-hmm. So um, the rest is history. It's uh, the Brothers Lunch was birthed at that point. Great food, uh, great um, connection, and great cultural experience. Uh, we we made a commitment to never um, frequent or um, pay like a mainstream restaurant, if you will, like a Roots, Chris, or Sullivan's, um, but to always um, find a really cool experience uh, to expose um, men to. So the Brothers Brunch essentially is an expansion of one's palate, not just from a culinary standpoint, but from a life and experiential standpoint. So just every from the beginning to end, everything is an experience, and it's an experience that um, expands your palate, if you will. Cool, cool. That sounds awesome. And uh, I have yet to come to a Brothers Brunch I got to try to get on the list for whenever we get one um, in the works, you know, when we can get back together and be closer than six feet apart, whenever that's going to happen. Um, I'll hold you to it. <laughs> I know you will. I know you will. Uh, so you said the Brothers Brunch is about cuisine, culture, and conversation. And it's that last part that I want to kind of talk about for a minute here, if you don't mind. I and some of my co-hosts before we um, before we came onto this conversation this evening, we watched the most recent YouTube session that you hosted called Deep Breaths. It's a conversation between you and a few of your friends in which you guys really dug into what's happening in the world right now. Can you tell me more about like what your thought process was bringing your you and your friends together? For this conversation, and um, just for the listeners out there, we're gonna we're gonna drop a link to that conversation in the podcast description, and I strongly suggest you check it out. It's it's really great. But Kavan, tell us more about what you were thinking when you were bringing these guys together to to talk. Well, Julie was thinking, "Hey, it's great, but it's long, so let's just go ahead and throw it out there." <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> I so here's here's the deal, you know. Um, this conversation is a conversation that uh, my friends and I would have had anyway. So, you know, mm-hmm. we do um, similar to, I guess, the process that you and your co-hosts have, where you have a conversation about what you're going to talk about. And I called mm-hmm. uh, or text uh, each one of them individually and say, listen, I really, you know, I do a show called Food for Thought. And it's really, um, po- it's powered by the Brothers Brunch. And it's an idea. It's the idea came about where, you know, things come to my my mind all the time where I just want to hop on and I want to have a good, I want to have good, meaningful conversation. So this particular food mm-hmm. for thought was me texting, you know, I use a platform that can only host up to six people. So I said, okay, who are the, who are the five brothers that I would love to just have a conversation with? To me, I've never, ever had more than one person because I, I, I like the one-on-one. But I said, you know, this is the conversation that, you know, we were at my house around the fire pit. Who would I want there and why? And so before you knew it, um, the you know, my, my, my guy who does hedge funds out in, in, in Manhattan, I wanted him on it because we always have interesting conversations. You know, the gentleman I mentioned earlier who, who does legal for, um, for Temple, um, I wanted him on it and hanging out with the college together. And when I just, when I, I handpicked everybody and I said, listen, are you game to have this conversation? This is what I'm thinking. And what I was thinking is, you know, I didn't want to do the typical, you know, I can't breathe 
Um, but I wanted to say deep breaths. Um, just because mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted, when you read the title, I wanted it to evoke an emotion. Uh, we all had mm -hmm. to take mm -hmm. some level of a deep breath um, just to kind of collect our thoughts. And, and to say that we're all on the same page and that we all feel the same thing is, is not true. Um, it's different levels to to um, the soul work that we have to do. And it's, it's jarring, it's devastating, it's um, exhausting, but every last one of them said, I'm game with time. So mm -hmm. there you have yeah. it, you know, we decided to do deep breaths, um, you know, um, what to do when um, the air we breathe becomes too heavy. And so that's what it, it you know, basically wanted to talk about what was going on this was for the looting before um everything hit the fan uh but it was it was rather timely in terms of uh george floyd's uh death yeah that's that's awesome and like i said before if you if you're listening to this to this podcast we'll drop a link in the description check it out it's really insightful and i want to just bring up one thing that one of your um guests uh mentioned that was really impactful for me so um, your guest Skia says, do you, he says he was having a conversation with one of his children and uh, he, I don't remember if it was his child who said this or he said this to the child, but um, the statement is, do you really understand the life you have? And I was sitting there like, you know, reading the news all day and being safe in my house and just thinking, man, um, do I really understand the life I have? I don't even know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I sat there and I thought about that for a long time, for a long time. Such a tough question. Do I understand the life that I have? And I, and I thought a little bit about this episode and how, the Brothers Brunch is really about going after those tough questions. Like that's what makes the Brothers Brunch so powerful, right? Is like you guys, you bring people together and talk about things like mask toxic max masculinity. You're bringing people together and talking about things like what does it mean to be a quote unquote good person, you know? And that's not something that people just talk about. <laughs> I mean, people like us talk about that maybe, but like, not not everybody's walking around and like, oh, I want to hear your thoughts about toxic masculinity, you know? So I wanted to kind of get your take. Why why do you think it's so important to bring people together to talk about stuff like that? Okay. Well I'll I'll work um I'll I'll work from the, the onset of your question when, when Askia um made mention of do you understand the life you have and you mentioning that you know you had to think about the question it's a very i understand the question and it's a very easy under easy question to lean into when you think mm -hmm. about your life every single day right and so when you think about life and you think about what life would be for your family if you didn't make it home from a speeding ticket or um your interaction at work where you were super passionate about um, an injustice of some sort, but you had to uh, tone down your voice because you didn't want to be perceived as the angry black man. Um, I think about every decision 
um, that I make and everything that comes out of my mouth every single day. I wish I didn't have to, mm-hmm. but it's 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 a product of who I am and um, the world that I live in. So, sure, you know, it's that question and questions like it, these topics around masculinity um, are very important and, and we're not really interested in uh, watering them down. I think when you look at life, uh, particularly for, for people of color, um, men of color, um, oftentimes these aren't conversations that we can have, you know, or there's no space created, courageous space that is, where we can just unapologetically say, well, this is how I feel about it. You know, we nothing's left off the table. It's not all about race. You know, we've talked about sexuality, masturbation, um, you know, uh, just what it feels like to, to be a man and, and have so many responsibilities. But then, you know, leaning into relationships where, you know, your counterpart, uh, uh, you know, uh, social norms and all of those good things. So we talk about everything, but we talk about these topics primarily so that we can show up as better versions of ourselves. Um you know, society puts these labels on you when you start to express your feelings and your emotions. And the Brothers Brunch happens to be a table where um, all bets are off. Like, let's talk about it. Let's let's unpack it. Let's demystify. You know, let's do it all. Because the reason why we have these emotionally unstable men is because as younger men, they didn't have the space. I'll leave it there for now, but I'll expound <laughs> like me too. But you know, I, I could talk, so I, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I, ju- I just want to um, add a little bit to that before Matt gets on to the next question is that I think that from a, from a network perspective, that's what makes the Brothers Bunch such a powerful experience is that it's not afraid to shy away from topics that are challenging and confront some of our, um, you know, some of the areas that we don't give a lot of language to or give a lot of time to in our regular everyday life yeah yeah so while we're talking about you know sort of tackling serious issues head on and and i appreciate um the way that the way that you do that and i appreciate uh the examples uh that you've shared you're sort of uh spanning uh the wide range of of things to to tackle and and that's wonderful and it's and it's needed um and if it's okay, you know, before we get too far into this conversation, I just wanted to take a moment and uh, just spend some time. I know we've mentioned, uh, you know, George Floyd killing and some different things, but just spend a moment now and talking about that, the protest, the looting. And I'm just really interested to hear, um, you know, your general thoughts on it. I, I know that you've had that YouTube episode, so, so you know, people can go to that um, for for a little bit more depth, but just to, to hear your thoughts about it and sort of the role that um, Brothers Brunch uh, might be able to play moving forward. No, um, I appreciate this platform to talk about that. In so many ways, I am uh, I am numb. Um, I you know, I think this whole world of leadership, right, where people feel that you you're the person on the front line and you're the person always wanting to talk about things and you had the podcast and you had the brothers brunch and you're leading, leading, leading. Um, sometimes you ask yourself the question, who's strong for the strong. I'm tired <laughs> and I'm, um, I'm not okay. And 
I would like to have some moments where that's okay mm. for me not to be okay. And for me not to wear the mask that grins and lies when I go to work or for me not to answer this person's phone call for me not to talk about, but I also realize the, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. So for me, you know, the unjust killing of George Floyd is um, in the protest. You know, this is just um, from years of systemic racism and microaggression and, 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 you know, we can put on whatever fancy term you want to put on it. Let's go. We can go back and forth with that. But the bottom line is what I saw on the video was, um, almost made me feel guilty. And here's where I'm going with that. Um, I literally, if you watch the video, we all have, we literally sat and watched as a form of entertainment, the, the, the life leave another human being. And if that make you emotional or, um, make you like feel something, then perhaps we, you know, maybe we just don't belong in the same circle. Right. Because I, I, um, it's, it's not only jarring, but it's, it makes you just, it, it, it causes you to just stop because Mm. there's so many questions there. There, you know, when you look at your the people that have come before us and how they they died on the front line because they would they they didn't want to watch. We've been watching people die for so many years, and because of our lives and all that comes with it and our privilege, we we watch and then we riot. So it's for me, it's um. You know, the, the young lady who taped it, she was very emotional when she went back to the scene. And um, I'm not sure if I would have been able to return the next day because, sure, your video went viral. Um, but I am I was behind the camera. And at some point, I would have been the one you would have been talking about. Like, he's the worst cameraman ever. Like, he's all over the place. The, the, the video is distorted. He can't control himself because I'm not sure how... I'm just not sure how we were capturing such um it's a tragedy and 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 we all we all felt that moment where he 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 said his final I can't breathe and and it was it was jarring we just stopped and everyone was right, like wait right. he really can't breathe and and so you know now we have we have everything that's going on with the looting and um, the destruction. And so you have, I mean, because none of this is new. We've been there, done that. Um, but now you we're, we're looking at coming out of a pandemic and where the world is getting ready to supposedly uh, opening up literally like now. And there's nothing to open. And it's, when I think of my community and when I think of like, I had to tell someone the other day, um, we, you know, everyone wants to talk about it, obviously. Right. So you get on the phone with your friend and it's like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy what's happening in Wilmington. And like, I had to remind them, well, yeah, well, we're both in the suburbs and our homes safely and our developments. So it's all relative. Like we, we can talk about it, but you know, what, what exactly, what's our stance going to be, you know, and, 
I, I don't live in those neighborhoods, but I'm from those neighborhoods. And I, it's so the emotion, the range of emotion is just crazy. So now I have my kids where I'm trying to explain it to them, but you might as well say I'm like a history teacher because th- unless they experience it, mm-hmm. they're not on the front line. You know, this is a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old. So to fast forward to answer your question, where does the brother's front stand? You know, it's it's hard to say because the work that we continue to do, the work that we've done is the work that we will continue to do. You know, um, I'm not... I had someone ask me if I um, wanted to go. Um, I, so I set up a cleanup the day after the riot. And um, pu- Public Works apparently went out there at 4 o'clock in the morning and did their thing. So there was no need for, you know, all the people that said, hey, I'm coming out. There was no need for people to go. So I had a friend call and say, hey, I still need to be down there. Um, I want to go. I think we should go down there. They need our leadership. And in that moment, I declined because I am not in, I'm not looking for a photo op. I'm not looking to, because I knew what was happening. The mayor was doing his walkthrough. Um, and I just, I'm not, I, I don't want to talk and I don't want the brothers brunch to be, I don't want to throw on a sweatshirt and I don't want to represent just to say that I was there when there's no work to be done. The real work comes with policy and, and getting out front of, you know, um, legislation and things of that nature. So being a part of that, but but not necessarily having to be the, you know, um, on the front line of it, right? So just, just continuing to do the work that we always do is what the Brothers Brunch will be doing. And that's serving the community, having these conversations, making sure that our conversations have real deliverables and that we're not just sitting around eating food and running our mouths. You mentioned that you're numb and that you're hurt. Um, what does that look like to lead, um, you know, the Brothers Brunch and, and dealing with, with this issue in a numb and sort of hurt way? Like, what, what, would, that, what would that look like? Because many times people, like you said, put on the mask and they're, and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're, they're showing something that they're not feeling. And I'm just curious, like, what does that look like for you? So for me, it's about utilizing the platform to, to so you know what's interesting about uh, what you some of you watched uh, on our YouTube channel is that, believe it or not, it's therapy for me. You know, I tend to bring topics to the table that I need freedom and deliverance from or I need answers. And so what it looks like is it's vulnerable it's honest, it's timely, um, it's unapologetic. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's being able and being courageous enough to say, I'm not okay, or that I'm vulnerable. So there was a question that I asked, and I wanna, I wanna bring this up. Um, one of the things I said was, I asked a gentleman, I said, listen, you know, how, how do you all feel about having to wake up and go to work, you know, and after something like this happens when your heart is so heavy that you can't even give it words and yet you're going to, for many of us, we're going to go to these jobs where no one's not even, no one's even going to ask. It's, it's going to be business as usual. Um, how does that make you feel? 
and so we had a really great discussion around it. And um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, the powers that be at my job tuned into uh, <laughs> our um, show. I'm very transparent, so it really wouldn't matter yeah. if they did or they didn't. But um, within, Mike, you already know, um, within within 48 hours, I got a voicemail from my, the founder of my school. And she said, I will never know what it what it feels like to be a black man and i am a white woman with privilege and i understand that and i'm just calling to see if you're okay now let me tell you something let me tell you something let me tell you something okay that is that is the first step because for me i only ask the question because inadvertently, I was feeling Dang, the angst. Dang, man. Now, I can't go on to my platform and say, well, <laughs> I promise you, I'm not going to get a phone call from, from the people at my job, right? Regardless of how I felt in that moment, my question was so that I can get the answers from the others. And so when you ask about, you know, what does that look like for the Brothers Brunch, oftentimes it's, it's, it's a very creative and artistic way of just letting multiple voices be heard so that you, even society, realize that we're not all cut from the same cloth, black people, black men. We don't all feel the same way. Because one gentleman said, dude, I go to work. Actually, it was my, my guy, Mike, who works for Temple, and work is work. I go, I do exactly what my job is, and I come home and I deal with my life. That is exact. he's been that way since college. Part of the reason why he's super successful, successful, maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's a lawyer, he's a researcher, he's a doctor. He has more degrees than I can count. But he's been able to compartmentalize where my other, you know, colleague was like, well, no, I, I look, if everybody got to be uncomfortable, everybody has to be uncomfortable. Because <laughs> <Like>, <laughs> right. if it's on my mind, it's on my mind and I'm going to talk about it. So we're all different. But, um, but, but I say all that to say, we, we leave room. So if you tuned in thinking it was going to be angry black men, you were sadly mistaken because sure, we're angry, we're disappointed, yeah. we're we're like we're frustrated, we're 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 a range of emotions, but but we also recognize the privilege in the fact that most of us have come so far in our careers and in our lives that this the game change changes. It's like wow. I understand every aspect of everything that's going on, but it makes it even harder, right? We have so much to lose. We, you know, some of us are on the front lines. Some of us are not, you know, some of us ha have a whole lot to lose. Some of us have less to lose, but it didn't, it didn't change the fact that it hurts. It hurts. And we have kids that we have to explain it to, and we have jobs that we have to go into and, you know, whether it, it's light lighter or heavy or heavier you know has a lot to do with how far your job is willing to step up and so to get a phone call from the founder to say i just want to make sure that you're okay because we care about you meant more than the world to me does it change the world it does not right but but leaning into the conversation and, and her going into the fact that I know that we're going to have to do, we have a lot of work to do, and we, I can't pretend 
to know all the answers, but I'm hoping that we can figure it out together. Is that's what that's what life is about. That's what the Brothers Brunch is about. It's about you know rewriting the narrative where everything doesn't just make us angry. That's I mean, <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of stages of grief, a lot of stages, and 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 we actually tackle all of them. Um, Kavan, I'm I'm struck by a couple of things. Oh, everything you've said. Um, a few things. Um, bringing it back to your network. Um, thinking about you know rewriting, um, and thinking about that soul work. Um, I wonder because we're in the middle of this um, these episodes on networks, and you know we have spent some time um, meeting with networks um, that are united around a cause. They are attempting to move policy forward or change some practices in education of some kind. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about what that network um, means to you. Um, and then really what's transferable to teachers? You know, I'm not expecting that you have a prescription for education um, or schools, uh, especially now. Um, but I'm just wondering, you know, you're also an, a director of advancement in, in a school. Um, if there's a connection that you can make between, you know, all of the things that you've just shared and sort of your network and what's transferable for this moment in education. We have a lot of teachers listening. When I think network, it encompasses all. When I think of the these networks, for me, it runs the gamut. So when I look at life as I know it and all that I've experienced in life um, for over 40 years, I... I think I have a, a range of, of people, places, and things that add to my network. So, for example, there are, um, there are, there's a school um, for homeless kids in Atlanta that um, they need help with reading. Most people, I'd be the last person to get that text because if you're not familiar with the range of 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 areas where I've, I've touched then you other than me have heart to do something like that I wouldn't be the first person you reach out to but the first person someone reached out to was the founder of my school and I was the second person that the founder reached out to because they know my affinity what people don't know is I have a master's in the science of reading I have an English education degree where um, secondary education is what my focus was. That's what I got my degree in, English education. So at the end of the day, my passion, my love for reading, <laughs> um, my love for literacy in general, um, kids from underserved populations, the whole nine. So basically, I'm, when, I, when I talk about networks, I'm just, I think that all in all, there there, everyone that we work with or talk to has multiple layers to who they are, right? And if you don't get to know them or, or ask them about them, them, uh, who they are personally and what they love to do and what they went to school for, you'd never know um, how valuable one person can be, you know, in terms of the network. So that's what I think of when I think of network. And the Brothers Brunch unpacks all of that, right? So you might be a janitor, 
but you might have other three other forms of connections that you have um, that that are valuable to to the next person. And so when I think of networks, I think that we, I just think that it's 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 so much bigger than just saying, hey, this is my network of colleagues that I go to college with, right? There's there's so many levels to it. Yeah, I sort of jokingly uh, said before we started recording this episode in our like uh, you know pre conversation about what we we're going to talk about, I sort of jokingly said that. Um, I don't think Kavan looks at networking in the circa 2001 version of networking, right? Which is like the, I've got 85 business cards in my uh, Rolodex. I don't even know if people know what a Rolodex is anymore, but I got 85 business cards in my Rolodex and my quote unquote network is, you know, I'm going to call the guy with the last name Jones um, you know, under the J's and he's my guy that I know that knows about, you know, whatever. Um, or the, or the like 2007 version of networks, which is, or, or the, I, I'll start that over again, or the social media version of networks, which is I'm going to collect as many friends as I can collect in my friend bank and have them on Facebook. So I got, you know, 2,348 friends in my friend bank on Facebook. And that goes everything from my, you know, Aunt uh, Aunt Fran to my cousin Jim to my high school friend that I, you know, still don't talk to really, but they're in my quote unquote network, you know. That's not really what <laughs> Brothers Brunch is all about. No, it's not. <laughs> Um, you know, the thing is, is it, it's all about relationships. And I that it's kind of when it, it, the easiest way to explain it is my nine to five and my five, five to nine. It's them colliding with each other. And it's explosive because it all comes, all roads lead, lead to relationships and being intentional about being relational. So people don't understand like there was a um a gentleman he's a he's an alum now um and his mom is still involved with our school but you know they had a devastating loss where their um her mom and his grandmother passed away and so he you know mind you there's lots going on in the world but he's like look we're we're going to be riding around our neighborhood just to to be horns and what people don't know is i live so far away from the school so far away from where this gentleman lives. And the fact that he told me, I was honored by that, right? And so I drove an hour and 15 minutes to to drive down his block for all of 10 seconds. And for me, I do it over and over and over again, because I think what networking used to look like and what networking looks like now, um, and, and let's just call it, you know, it's, so many ways to call it, you know, um, engagement, um, relationships, whatever the case may be, is that networking isn't disingenuous. And part, part of why networking doesn't work is when it's disingenuous. So it's, it's about people and it's, it's about being very intentional about being relational with people. And it's the same thing that I want to do and it's the same way I want to show up for people that are you know, a part of the Brothers Brunch. It's just about people. And and when the lights go off and the fanfare is over and the passing circumstances is null and void, people are people. And some people are hurting and they really need you to show up for them. And I just like to, to use the platform to do, do as such. 
Yeah, I really love that there's such a focus on building relationships and making these connections that are, you know, building trust. Um, you know, and I think that I think there's lessons here that can definitely be carried over into the school setting. Um, you know, and definitely on on our podcast here, Rethinking EDU, we're we're always trying to think of, you know, how can we do school differently and you know, uh, move forward. Um, and I'm wondering what, what you're, can I say something? Sure. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was, um, that was a really smooth way of saying I didn't fully answer the question. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> no, it was a good, so, I was, I was no, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so here's the thing. The brothers brunch is involved in school with schools. So I've worked with middle schools. I've worked with community centers. I've worked with, um, high schools, because this concept of cuisine, culture, and connection, and really just doing things differently is very important. Um, but I think the more important part is that um, one of the things that um, it's, pretty, um, it's pretty lucrative as well is there's a part of the Brothers Brunch that has a collegiate portion where we go into colleges and universities and we literally have the same brunch that we would have with you know, our male cohorts, um, the, the grown men, is the same, um, the same brunch that we would have at the school. <clears throat> and they actually pay our organization to come in, create a panel discussion, talk about provocative issues that plague um, our communities. And uh, there's so much research uh, in terms of um, completion rates, retention, um, and, and the beauty in having a conversation amongst men in, in terms of what's needed for our young men in order to them to continue to like muscle through all the, the things that they're going through. So, so when you talk about this space, I think uh, practitioners are realizing that there is, we have to be creative in how we educate our young people. We, I think we're all familiar with the hidden curriculum and what that means. Um, and that, you know, most of our young people are learning and this is the educator in me. This is, this is me, you know, always loving to teach differently, learn differently, and, um, you know, uh, not being able to give it voice as a young person. My mom is on drugs. I'm, she, I'm the only child. Um, I, I'd been molested, you know, years before, and I'm making my own, you know, uh, meals and, you know, but I'm looking forward to the school that the lunch is. I mean, the lunch that the school is giving me and um, I might be a little distracted when I have a bad morning, you know, because I had to take care of my mom. And when the teacher doesn't have that, because what goes on in my house stays in my house, like you see all the layers there that like no one would. But then I show up and I'm Kavan. I'm just Kavan. And 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 there's so many layers to what a child, a young person needs and all that trauma, you know, got, took me to a place where all I wanted to do was, I, all I needed was an opportunity to go to college. And then I get to college and now I'm trying to still muscle through all the things I never got counseling for, right? So I'm in college and I'm just a young guy and I'm, I'm super charismatic. I become president of my class and now I'm wearing this mask like all the time and no one's realizing that I still have tons of trauma to go through, right? And that's me. That's a true story for me, right? Can you imagine all the young people out there from various social economic statuses? 
that have dealt with so much trauma and yet the curriculum, <laughs> they won't teach you how to deal with that. They'll say, yes, we have a career and counseling service. We have a uh, you know counselor on the premises if you need them. But then you have the Brothers Brunch come in and we, we, we come in guns blazing and we have these conversations. Like whether you like it or not, you're gonna hear it even if you don't wanna engage. Yeah, it's a great way. You're you're modeling. You're being your mentors for the, for your community there. I think that's that's fabulous. That's amazing what you're doing. I'm wondering. I'm wondering what's next for the Brothers Bunch. Where you where what, what do you got on the agenda? Wow. So the one part of so there's two parts of the Brothers Brunch. We have the traditional regular Brothers Brunch uh, business, however you want to call it. But um, two years ago, we became an official 501c3. Uh, we do a lot uh, in the community, regionally, um, nationally. Um, we've actually, uh, each year we go to Haiti, and this is the first year that we weren't able to go um, due to COVID. And so um, the only part that we were still rethinking, if you will, is how we show up as mentors. Um, I'm very sensitive about mentorship. And, and what that looks like and what that means. So we've done some one-offs, but uh, and we've gone to t detention centers and we've had some, you know, we spent our Father's Day at, uh, you know, jails where young men don't have the same access. Uh, so we do that work constantly, but um, to have a full-blown mentorship program is something that's always in my heart's desire, but I'm very cognizant of the fact that we, if, if I'm not ready and the organization is not ready, we won't do it because um, consistency is a, or the lack thereof is, is, is huge in our communities where, you know, um, people or organizations have these big ideas of having mentors, but they're not, but the programs aren't sustainable. And I think that we would end up doing more damage than good. So, you know, that's one thing when you ask what's next, I'll say that, that's absolutely next, uh, but in due time and at the right time. We also are in a process, uh, there's been a fatherhood initiative grant through the government, government that, you know, fingers crossed, uh, could be a real game changer for the work that we do, um, particularly with regards to recidivism and reducing recidivism. Uh, for those, of, those offenders who come out of jail with little to no resources, but then are expected to stay out of jail. So um, yeah. We have a lot of work to do, and I think that we have enough issues in our community that uh, we'll be busy for years to come. Sounds awesome, Kavan. And, you know, I love all of the work that the Brothers Brunch does. So, you know, where you can find me if you ever want my uh, my hat and any of those rings. But I want to I kind of bring it on to the next segment of the episode here, where we like to kind of break down this conversation amongst us co-hosts. And, of course, we ask for thoughts from uh, our guests about what this conversation is really making us rethink about education. Um, and it could be this conversation, could be the Brothers Brunch in general. Um, but what are you thinking, co-hosts? What is this conversation making you rethink? I've got a couple of things in my mind right now, actually. Um, thinking about just the idea of conversing, right? And I think even allowing students to you know, come to a table, sit down and have discourse, right? Um, we should be doing that more in schools. 
Uh, for sure. And then I'm starting to think about too, this idea of being culturally responsive and you know, who do you surround yourself with? Um, I do think like, yeah, I grew up in a white suburban area. Um, you know, who are my friends? Who are the people that I'm, I'm getting together with? And, you know, can I bring them together? I mean, I have friends that are of different ethnicities and, um, but do I bring them together? How cool would it be to have a, you know, a brunch with, with all of them instead of just as individuals? I think that would be kind of cool too. I don't know. So I, I have a lot of things floating around in here, but I do like the idea of, you know, bringing students together and having these kind of conversations just like you, you've been leading there, Kavan. So thanks for that. I think, I think for me, I've been, I always think about the brothers brunch as a, as a model for how to talk about, um, really challenging topics you know we talk about courageous conversations a lot in uh in our faculty meetings at schools maybe we talk about having courageous conversations with students of color around maybe their identities with lgbtqia students with their identity formations and what that's like right but i i want to have courageous conversations on a regular basis I want to make them less courageous and more normal. Like, let's just talk about um, let's let's talk about what it means to be a good person in our social studies classes and how you know when you're a good person. Let's let's talk about what race has to do with the construction of American society in our classes. Let's make those conversations normal. Let's talk about what it means to be a quote unquote normal human being. Uh, let's talk about what it means to live a good life, to live a fulfilling life. Like those are conversations we should be having with students. You know, we, we chatted with Ron Berger um, from EL Education a couple episodes ago, and he talked about um, EL teaching students how to be, how to uh, right, be smart to do good in the world. And I, I have to say that that has really resonated with me here in this podcast as well. Like, how are we having conversations with students about what it means to do good in the world and how we learn to do good in the world, right? What it means to be an active uh, participant in society. I think those are all so critical. Um, and, and I don't know that enough teachers feel super equipped to be able to have those conversations on a regular basis. You know, when I'm teaching history class, I'm talking about the um, idea of race as it existed in ancient Greece. And I don't know how many history teachers are talking about that. And my question is, why not? Right? Um, but I think part of that is is constructing a safe space. And that's what um, is kind of cueing me here from Kavan's work with the Brothers Brunch. He's generated a safe space through the Brothers Brunch in order to talk about things that are challenging and bringing people to the conversation that have the expectation and the knowledge that like, this isn't just going to be your, you know, run of the mill, how's the weather sort of conversation. We're going to dig in here and you should get ready for that. So that's what I'm rethinking. I think for me, um, thinking about, you know, importance of vulnerable um, and difficult conversations. So I have that on sort of, uh, you know, one side of my mind, but then I have the other side thinking about the importance of the facilitator. 
um, and, and the purpose there. Because if you just throw a bunch of people, uh, grown-ups or students, uh, depending on the age, together, having these vulnerable and difficult conversations, it may not turn out too well. Um, but so, so there's that other part, that thoughtful facilitation. But it doesn't mean that the adult, and I'm sure it doesn't, you know, within the Brothers Brunch, uh, you know, the, the moderator is not controlling, like, every conversation, but, but they're there, even the way you set it up, right? It's, it's thoughtful. It's, who am I going to sit at the table? Like, you, you opened up with the one conversation, you know, I thoughtfully put people together. And, and that is part of the, you know, the, the key there. That's part of the recipe, you know, thinking about the food um, aspects of the Brothers Brunch. But uh, yeah, so, so you have that and then you have that and, and you sort of need those, those two pieces and, and that could have a powerful place within education. Well, I think for me, um, I'm directing all of this inward, um, what Kavan has brought to light here, but also just the events of our times here. I'm doing some reflecting on what I can do from my corner of the world. Um, I know there has to be a focus in education on helping students discover their purpose um, by knowing who they are, what gifts they bring to this world, and then honoring each other's viewpoints. Um, as a history teacher myself, Mike, um, you know, rejecting this idea as Black history as a month, um, I get exasperated when I hear I get exas exa exasperated with other people's history teachers, I guess, when I hear that people are surprised um, at, at the anger. Um, and it's not just this, this poor man uh, who was murdered in front of our very eyes, right? Um, I, I wish that history teachers, all teachers, um, regardless of subject, but would slow down and really tell the stories. Um, and those stories, the ones that people can take with them. Um, so tell the story of Lincoln um, moving from a unionist to an abolitionist. You know, tell the story of Booker T. Washington and Du Bois having that conversation across time about what education should look like and the way forward. Um, tell the story of Emmett Till, but then bringing it forward to our more recent times so people aren't surprised. And tell the story of Trayvon Martin. Um, so that's part of it. And I think, too, um, having project work in schools be about community activism. Um, how else will students really come to see themselves as someone who can affect change in this world? Um, we don't just learn about things, but we work to change yourself and then the community. So for me, just thinking about you know summer planning, thinking about finding teachable moments, they're right in front of us, um, and building those relationships is a good place to start. Really thank you, uh, Kavan, for all that you brought to light today. No, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it uh, being here. It's funny, when you said Emma Till, it, it triggered me just because I realized that, you know, inadvertently as a parent, I've, um, my kids only know about Emma Till, probably not because they learned it in school, but every single time they lie, it, that's the lesson that I, I always use. So um, when my daughter li lies on her brother, which, listen, they're 11 and they're 13, so you can imagine how many times we've had this conversation. <laughs> but um, when they right. were really small and I would use the story, my wife would be like, oh my God, you're scaring them. And I'm like, well, mission, <laughs> well, mission accomplished. But now I have teenage preteens who all I had to do is say, well, we know the story about Emma Till, right? And I, you know, 
give the daddy look and my and my daughter can (laughs) give you the entire because it's that serious right so while you know it starts in the home where you you know okay you probably lied on your brother watching playing a game when he wasn't supposed to be playing a game or whatever the, 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 the lie was but at the end of the day it's those lies right that particularly for 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 people that look like them it's that it's that conviction that you had when you lied on your brother that can get people killed and that's when they realize the severity of all of our actions big or small so um i love that you said that just because it it kind of triggers me in terms of the work really has to start at home right and having these tough conversations with the people for whom we love so thank you for the platform so we got one last segment to go and that's plugs i hope everybody has a good plug for the evening i'll start off um i just ordered a book at the recommendation of a friend of mine uh called ghost boys by jewel parker Rhodes. it's a young adult novel about uh police brutality um it's sort of in the same vein that angie thomas's the hate you give uh is written in and i'm super looking forward to it it's coming to my house hopefully in the next couple days here really in needing of some timely reading and i hope that it's a it's a good choice i trust the the person who recommended it to me so i'm sure it'll be good um julie what do you want to plug i'd like to plug the global oneness project if you just google that um resources mostly for high school teachers to explore cultural social and environmental issues uh through stories uh with their students cool what about you janine uh i'm gonna plug do something.org uh, DoSomething.org is a great site. Um, again, it also encourages student activism, um, and it, it hosts all sorts of projects by students. Um, and, and there's even scholarship opportunities that are offered on there. But do something that, that, yeah, do something.org. <laughs> cool. Matt, what do you want to plug? Uh, I'm going to go with textingstory.com. Uh, it's, it's an app, so um, iOS or Google Play um, app. And so students would talk about a topic but they would write about it through text so it'd be kind of cool and creative especially if you're having a conversation and then it, it comes out um you know like that so they could write a super long story or they could write a uh, you know a shorter creative piece interesting huh i'll have to mess around with that uh, super cool and kavan you got the last plug of the evening um of course we're going to plug the brothers brunch in the podcast description and your youtube conversation deep breaths but what else do you want to plug that's it uh you know follow us uh the brothers brunch um we are on all social media platforms and uh we just want to continue to do the work we you know no topic is left off the table Uh, it doesn't matter who you are what you look like um most times it does matter um that you are um you identify as a brother and and we'll, we'll, we'll take it you know we we just want to have these conversations and talk about uh, the issues that really plague our communities um, from our from our, our, our vantage point. Awesome, awesome. Kavan, thank you so much for being on our, on our podcast. We really appreciate it. To everyone out there listening, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode as much as we have in recording it. We feel like this conversation is very timely and super important to talk about what's happening in the world right now and how it relates to education. We hope that you'll continue to listen to our episodes here on Rethinking EDU. 
and tune in for the next segment that we have on uh, networks, which I'm sure we'll, um, we're definitely got some great um, guests lined up for our next few episodes here before we round out the series and uh, venture into our next series. In the meantime, I hope you stay safe out there, um, be well, and thanks for listening. Thank you.